0: Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow.
1: Hello, I'm Dan Catchpole, reporter with News Data's Clearing Up, joined by my co-host and editor of News Data's California Energy Markets, Jason Fortney. Newsdata covers the energy sector in California, the Northwest and beyond like no one else. And here are some of our top stories that we're working on. But first, Jason, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great, Dan. Happy Monday. Yeah. August coming to a close. I know the summer's winding down already. Yep, it's hard
1: to believe Halloween will be in our face before you know it. Yeah, you know, and to that point, uh, my oldest daughter and I already started working on her Halloween costume a little bit earlier today, so she's going to go as a fruit stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, great. Man, sounds a little bit cumbersome. <laughs> Wait, I thought you were trying to do like a plan cucumbers or something. I don't know. Uh, I'm not clever enough. Cucumbersome. (laughs) And then we just lost like half the listeners. Like, I'm out of here. Okay, well, uh, let's get to something a bit more relevant than bad fruit or vegetable puns (laughs) plan. Anyways, Um, so what do you have going on, Jason?
0: All right, well, uh, today I'm going to talk about uh, the California Independent System Operators. New extended day ahead market proposal and a little bit of reaction on that. Then I'll be talking about my bottom lines, analyzing why so far fewer acres have burned in California this year compared to last year. Some reasons may surprise you. And finally, a proposed new inland port in Kern County that will hopefully ease the supply chain a little bit, including for solar panels and components. Yeah, I've got a
1: little market update here for about uh, Bonneville's participation and some uh, surplus capacity sharing program across the West that's getting going. And uh, yeah, I've got a little update on Pacific core and some allegations regarding uh, the biggest wildfire uh, in California and Oregon this year and um, and then some stuff going on with yeah. Northwest Natural in Oregon. And uh, for readers who are or listeners who are not familiar with our print product, uh, which is available at newsdata.com. Indeed. You can find out lots more there. Uh, just in case anybody's wondering, bottoms bottom lines is the name of the column in California energy markets. It is not some weird reference to Jason Fordney's derriere. Whoa, just want I to clarify wondering. that.
0: Now we're to really perfect. listening, to people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you get us started with the Kaiso uh, Day ahead Update?
0: Sure thing. Uh, what we have here is... California Independent System Operator, or Kaiso's revised extended day ahead market straw proposal. This is an effort that's been going on for some time. Um, this latest proposal has important enhancements according to CAISO. It includes new details, descriptions and examples of different EDAM design elements, EDAM standing for the extended day ahead market. CAISO says EDAM will allow for optimal commitment and scheduling of supply on a day ahead basis and will apply equally to all of the 19 participating members in the Western energy imbalance market. So for those that don't know, uh, Kaiso is bringing the, ex- the day ahead market across the footprint of the EIM, which represents about 80% of the load in the Western interconnection. Pretty big deal. Kaiso says uh, the EDAM design will support the rapidly evolving Western resource adequacy landscape. Um, among the modifications are provisions concerning transmission commitment, Um, There's also some new tagging requirements for firm energy contracts. And and then there's a a one-year transition period for convergence bidding for EDAM entities. Uh, Convergence bidding includes things like virtual bids, which are financial positions taken in the day-ahead market and liquidated in the real-time market. Southwest regulators have been examining this uh, proposal. They're really looking to this to meet their states, uh, their state's clean energy goals. New Mexico Public Regulation Commission members said they're receptive to the potential for the EDAM to maximize existing transmission resources and help meet renewable portfolio standards. NMPRC member Steve Fishman told Kaiso, quote, "I'm pretty excited by the prospect of getting off this off the ground and being the first baby step for the West to get where it's, where it, it needs to be." Commission member Joseph Meistas said he got a little nervous about the EDAM's emphasis on maximizing transmission availability over land use considerations, tribal concerns and other issues. What Kaiso's Phil Pettengill said, quote, what we're trying to do is unlock the transmission capacity that you have and try to maximize that utilization. Um, over in Arizona, just to wrap up. Uh, we have ACC Chair, Arizona Corporation Commission, Leah Marquez-Peterson said, based on my understanding of Kaiso's current governance structure, I have some concerns, governance being the big deal with a, a um, sort of any sort of regional activities. There seems to be a pattern, she said, California isn't coming to the table on water as it relates to drought on the Colorado River and California isn't willing to change its governance structure for a regional energy market these are critical issues. She sort of drifted over into the topic of a Western RTO. But yeah, the EDAM, uh, Kaisa will be taking comment through this uh, on this through August 29th with in-person meetings September 7th and 8th. Uh, st- I'm sorry, stakeholder comments are due by September 20th. So that's the new EDAM. You can find that on the Kaisa website and you can read more about it on newsdata.com. So back to you, Dan, for uh, the Northwest or what you have for us. Yeah. So
1: speaking of E EDAM, uh, the Bonneville Power Administration has agreed to participate in the next phase of uh, the Southwest Power Pools Markets Plus Initiative, which is kind of a like competing design to E Dam. Now, BPA is also participating in the development of Dam, but it has uh, signed made a public commitment to supporting at the same time the development of the markets plus initiative and so it's been really interesting covering the development of these two um clearly actors in the west are really open to further coordination through market structures and you've got these two big competing entities uh cal iso and southwest Power Pool. so that's good news for well for both i suppose that bonneville's um all on board for, for uh, further market coordination. Uh, and, and another step forward for markets, uh, members of the Western PowerPool's new surplus capacity sharing program approved a tariff last Thursday, formalizing the program's structure and how it operates. The tariff includes an independence governing structure and punitive charges if any participant doesn't meet the program's operational requirements, things like an, uh, maintaining an adequate planning reserve margin. So, the program is officially known as the Western Resource Adequacy Program, often shortened to RAP. So, the RAP tariff goes to the power, next, goes to PowerPool's board of directors for review. And if they sign off on it, it'll be sent to FERC for final approval for implementation. Uh, the program's being rolled out in phases. The current timeline calls for the program to go live in a beta testing period in the summer of 2023 with full implementation in 2025. The purpose of the program is essentially to coordinate and streamline it basically better make better use out of any surplus capacity during times when the market is tight uh, to make it less likely that any entity has to, you know, gets into a load shedding event where they just don't have enough capacity to meet demand. Mm So that's obviously becoming an increasing concern, and this uh, has developed in the past few years as a as a method to hopefully decrease
0: those uh, that vulnerability. Yeah, I see. Um, the current timeline calls for going live next summer. Yes.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, testing period twenty twenty three in summer twenty twenty
0: three, and full implementation in twenty twenty five. Yep. Okay, and
1: there's they're, they're already in some of the early kind of pre-implementation stages, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's been you know, figuring out some of the
0: details of how the thing's going to work. Sure. Yeah, just uh, so much happening in the West on resource adequacy, markets. It's a great time to be an energy reporter and it's a great time to subscribe to news Data's
1: that California is true. Energy
0: Markets that's definitely true and
1: clearing up oh yeah you can that's find out it. more about our fine products at
0: newsdata.com. excellent all right well uh good coverage on that thank you we had a really strong market coverage in our issue last week and we'll continue i wrote in my bottom lines about the acreage burned by wildfires in california so far this year is down dramatically from 2021 despite a similar number of incidents. Analyzing why this is the case can be a bit tricky, as I found. Well, we have about 198,000 acres of burned in wildfires this year in the Golden State. That's according to CAL FIRE. Last year at this time, 1.5 million acres. So 198,000 compared to 1.5 million. This year's tally is also far lower than the five-year average for acres burned at this point in the year, which is about 724,000. The number of incidents this year is... Uh, 5,415 compared with 5,968 by this time. Last year, I talked to Cal Fire spokesman Robert Foxworthy, he said, quote, we're looking better. I feel like we're in a really good spot compared with last year. He did note the ongoing drought and dryness of vegetation has created ideal conditions for fires, but wildfire response has improved while firefighters catching more fires when they're still small. We're still getting the starts, but we seem to be catching them this year. Uh, there's also been a big increase, in vegetation management and inspections by utilities. I asked Robert about utility caused wildfires, whether they're on the downtick or uptick. He said it's too soon to say. PG&E did say they've mitigated fire risk in about ninety percent of their territory, so some good news. You know, it's great. I, I yeah. live here in wildfire country. Um, there hasn't been a lot of smoke, not a lot of fires, but. One reason when you look at this acreage, um, last year we had two fires that burned uh, almost a million acres. That was Caldor and the Dixie fire. So that's what really pushed up the numbers last year. But all in all, some good news on the wildfire front here in in California. And Jason, in in, uh,
1: talking to uh, Robert Foxworthy from Cal Fire, did you get any sense as to whether uh, how much this is due to Sort of like a, a change in trend because of know, changes in practices or what have you versus just it was a wetter year was it just condition conditional or do you think these are improvements that can be sustained
0: i think um the response has improved i also talked to robert lewin who's with resolute associates former fire captain very experienced he said uh there's been a really aggressive firefighting with deployment of large firefighting resources Occurring on even more remote lands. What happened last year was a lot of competition for resources because we had big fires going on at the same yeah. time. And that Dixie fire particularly nasty. But it seems to me a combination here, better response, um, less competition for resources, more wildfire mitigation, and you know, maybe just a little bit of old-fashioned luck, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, some
1: folks up in uh, Oregon. We're not so lucky, a group of homeowners who lost their homes in the McKinney Fire say Pacific Corps equipment caused the wildfire along the Oregon, California border. The lawsuit alleges that the ignition of the fire was foreseeable and Pacific Corps, quote, negligently, recklessly and willfully and, quote, failed to properly maintain its equipment. Uh, that complaint was filed in Sacramento County Superior Court, and they're being represented by San Diego law firm Singleton Schreiber. The fire started July 29th in the Klamath National Forest, and so far it's the biggest wildfire of the season in California. It tragically has killed four people, and as of last week, CAL FIRE reports that nearly 200 homes and other buildings have been destroyed. Uh, and last update from that I saw last week was that it was almost entirely contained, though.
0: Yeah. I think it was 95% on Friday. Yeah. That sounds right. Yep. Uh, cause still under investigation. I guess um, I did find a notice that Pacific Corps filed with the California public utilities commission said it was notified of the fire on July 29th and that the Pacific Corps distribution circuit in the area is the 5G 40 out of the Scott bar substation. But uh, we should stress that it's not been proven that Pacific caused causes fire yes these are purely allegations yep all right well um some tough news there we'll see what happens with that finally i have here from cem a new inland port proposed in kern county which kern county officials hope will ease choke supply chains including for imported energy system components such as solar panels kern county board of supervisors august 9th proclamation supports a newly announced inland port that is also forecast to reduce greenhouse emissions from coastal ports. This is called the Mojave Inland Port, designed to alleviate supply chain pressures at ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach, should also address air quality issues as goods offloaded at the coastal ports will now be transported via rail to the new hub rather than via truck. So good to see that. Some good news for Kern County. and uh, yeah, yeah we've obviously been hearing a lot about supply chain this will take some time to be constructed but will hopefully help
1: so if I understand it correctly the the idea about uh, around this inland port it's obviously uh Kern County is landlocked obviously so it's it's I don't think there's any major river that runs through there that it reaches down to the coast like that but so it's uh instead of putting this stuff on trucks the the idea is like you said it it goes over rail and that that's where they get the idea of the inland port kind of um, just like how container shipping comes into a port just kind of making that faster bigger uh transit of these goods to the interior is that the the gist of it
0: yes um i think the (laughs) one of the issues is trucks idling at the ports you know the ports are of course, a massive source of emissions, but this yeah. will eliminate that, um, you know, these containers can move via uh, rail or truck. Usually this, will, this port will be able to handle about 3 million containers per year. So mm-hmm. it's it's not a small one. Uh, they'll be transported from the seaports via shuttle trains, uh, utilizing the underutilized Alameda corridor, which should also create some more economic benefits. Well, uh, the last thing I've got
1: here is uh, Northwest Natural, natural gas utility, wants to start field testing its proposed one megawatt Eugene hydrogen pilot project. Uh, The project would use an electrolyzer to create or hydrogen from water and the hydrogen that would then be injected into Northwest Natural's natural gas supply lines around Eugene, Oregon, where it's got about Uh, 2,400 customers. The company hopes to deliver an initial blend of 5% hydrogen gas and its distribution service, uh, and with the potential of that going up to 10% down the road, according to um, a Northwest Natural filing with the Oregon PUC. At the same time, a group of local lawmakers and more than 30 organizations have asked, and this is, I should say, this is a Northwest Natural story, but separate from the hydrogen project so i want to make that clear a group of local lawmakers and more than 30 organizations have asked the oregon department of justice last week to investigate northwest natural for what they accuse it uh, or say are deceptive advertising practices the group uh, alleges that the natural gas utility conducted a what they call a propaganda campaign aimed at delaying the transition to clean energy homes. The campaign, the group alleges, misled customers, elected officials, and Oregonians at a time or at large about the climate and health risks of methane gas appliances at the time when lawmakers were considering state policies to decrease the use of natural gas in homes. Northwest Natural Gas told my colleague Steve Ernst last week that it is aware of the allegations and it is assessing them. So you can follow that story and more at clearingup at newsdata.com.
0: Okay, we'll keep us posted on whether that investigation happens.
1: Yeah, yeah, lots of lots going on this last week and lots more to cover this week. I don't know about you, but I've got a busy week.
0: Do you? Great. Yeah. I'll be writing mm-hmm. up uh, some new Kaisos energy storage enhancements. We have a CPUC meeting, so yep. Yeah, uh, Things are kicking off pretty quickly. Yeah, I've got uh, some development in Montana to catch
1: up with and various other things to shake down. But, um, well, that's right. that's it for me, Dan Catchpole. Thank you all for listening. As always, please rate and review this podcast in the app, podcast, Spotify, or however you listen. And if you like it, please let other people know about it. Uh, you can find me. I'm on Twitter. I'm at dcatchpole. And my co-host Jason Fordney is on Twitter at
0: Fordney Energy. Yes, I am. And thanks for listening to News Data's Energy West. You can read more of our coverage at newsdata.com. Nobody covers energy in the West like we do. Follow us on Twitter. CEM is at CEM News Data. That's the letters C E M News Data. Clearing up is at CU News Data. Again, that's the letters C U News Data. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week. You've been listening to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow.